Welcome to the Lasting Impact Podcast, your gateway to the world of social impact changemakers. Join us as we delve deep into the lives of remarkable individuals from around the globe, discovering the challenges they tackle head-on, their innovative solutions, and the profound impact they create. I'm Talmadge Morgan, your host for today's podcast, and I'm here with Jeremy Porter, um, founder at Tidy. Jeremy, thanks for being with us today. Thanks for having me on. Happy to be here. Absolutely. So Jeremy grew up in Utah. Um, he loved spending time in the mountains skiing, rock climbing, running, and mountain biking. In high school, he took a humanitarian trip to Guatemala and ended up moving to Guatemala a few months later for a couple of years. Living in Guatemala inspired him to try to do something to alleviate poverty. He took another humanitarian trip to Fiji, grew to love the ocean, and started thinking about the problem of ocean plastic. Those trips inspired him to start a business to collect ocean-bound plastic and create jobs for people experiencing poverty. He lives in Utah with his wife and their nine-month-old son. So that's kind of an overview, but would love to hear your version of your, your background and your story. Um, you know, why, why social impact? Why yeah. repurpose recycling? Um, but we'd love to hear it from you. Yeah. Um, so we actually changed our name to Tidy. Um, and uh, yeah, so for me... Um, you know, like you said in the bio, um, those trips were really impactful for me. Um, you know, growing up, I had a lot of really awesome people um, come into my life and, and kind of like mentor me and, and help out. Um, you know, a lot of different like church groups and um, just, just leaders that really stepped up and were super impactful for me in my life. And so it kind of gave me a, a big, um, deep sense of gratitude, um, just, just making me feel like I wanted to give back to the world and kind of, you know, return that favor that had been given to me. Um, and so, you know, going to Guatemala um, a couple of times, just really loved the people there, you know, loved um, seeing, you know, how generous they were, you know, with, with not much compared to what I'm used to um, here in the States. Um, and um, it really, it really motivated me to, you know, help them. They're, they're in situations that aren't always under their control, right? Um, <clears throat> oftentimes, um, they're, you know, the hardest working people I've ever met are in Guatemala. Um, and even though they work so hard, um, they're just in a, in a tough spot. Um, you know, and then um, the environment's always been something that um, I've, I've worried about um, a bit, you know, something that I've, I've always wanted to be a good steward for the earth, right? I've really wanted to um, take care of what we've been given and um, treat it as good as we can. So seeing the, the problem of ocean plastic especially uh, made me really feel a strong desire to do something to help. Um, you know, ocean plastic is something that's very tangible, um, something that, um, you know, is, is actually a lot bigger than I knew getting into it. Um, just, just going down and seeing there's so much more than I ever thought there would be um, working in, in Guatemala, um, you know, and that's how it is in a lot of developing countries. So, you know, finding a way to marry those two is kind of, kind of a dream, um, you know, solving problem poverty, like helping people in poverty while also cleaning up, um, the environment, um, and helping on that side, um, really was, uh, kind of a dream solution and, um, worked on it for several years until eventually we, we found um, a system that seems to work, and so yeah, we've been we launched two and a half years ago, um, collecting ocean plastic. We do gig economy style collection of the plastic, um, meaning anybody in the community can go out and collect plastic. We pay them for it by the pound, 
and then provide other additional bonuses to those collectors to help them out of poverty. So, um, yeah, that's kind of a basic overview of the motivations. Yeah, that's awesome. I love how you went back to just how you, you know, you had people in your life that impacted you in a huge way. And like, this is almost a way that you're able to give back to the world. I think that's amazing. So I know for a lot of people, like we, we have things we're passionate about, like, you know, I think most people would say they would love to see a cleaner earth and a cleaner world, but it's another thing altogether to just to say, like, I think I could help solve this, like put together a system that actually works, that's sustainable. Um, what, at what point did you realize, like, there's something here, like we could, we could make this a long-term thing, like this could really work? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I always knew that I wanted to do something right. But, um, what happened was I was at BYU. Um, there's a program through the Bell Auto Center, Social Venture Academy. Um, and I had a friend who, um, he started like mushroom farming in Africa and he's like, yeah, just go, go pitch a business idea, um, to this committee and they'll give you a few thousand dollars to go down and like test out this idea. It's super easy. Just go do it. So, so I was going in expecting, you know, I just come up with a, a basic idea, go pitch and uh, I'll get a couple thousand dollars to go test out this business idea. Um, it turns out it's a lot harder to get the funding <laughs> than I ever expected. So, so I went and pitched, um, kind of got, you know, torn apart, um, for not having tons of things figured out. Right. There was, there's very little that I knew about, um, you know, the recycling markets, um, so I kind of came up with this basic idea, you know, we'll take plastic, we'll, we'll recycle it, we'll maybe sell t-shirts, um, and we can help people in poverty and, and collect plastic. Um, but there was just so much that I didn't know, right? Um, so I ended up pitching for like two years, every, every couple wow. months, um, tons of times. And, uh, you know, cause every time I thought that I was getting closer, um, to getting the money, um, and it was only like $2,000, so not even that much money. But it was like that, that little carrot on the stick that, that kept me moving forward. Super good um, practice too, like explaining your mission um, and your solution. Yeah, and great feedback, like incredible feedback from um, everyone. And so, and that was honestly the biggest part, right? So like every time it got better, um, at some point we realized, um, I realized that we were close enough. We'd I'd spent enough time on the problem that we could actually launch something um, with or without the the money, the grant money. And so we launched, um, before we ever got any grant funding. Um, and, uh, yeah, we ended up getting it after the fact, but, uh, yeah. So it was really like, you know, a simple motivator to get going as soon as I did. Um, and yeah, pretty cool how those random, you know, motivators can, can, you know, kind of get, gave me the kick in the butt to get moving as soon as I did. Kind of funny how it's like the difficulty of the process is what drove you to, you know, to push so hard. Um, that's awesome. So you mentioned this a little bit in terms of the model that you use where it's, you know, it's a gig style, you know, people are able to go pick up plastic. Um, you kind of have these two sides, like you explained, like the poverty and the, the plastic cleanup. Um, how has that model evolved over time? Like, is that how it started? Um, and then can you go, I guess, a little more in depth and tell how that all works? Yeah. Um, it's not exactly how it started. So, so our focus at the beginning was um, schools and churches. So we went, um, when we went down, we went around and talked to a bunch of schools um, and churches in the area. 
um, asking if they would, you know, set out like a recycling container where the school students could come and drop off their plastic. So the idea was it'd be kind of a, a box tops type program. So kids can bring plastic with them from their home. Um, and that money that they get paid, the school gets paid, will go towards um, funding different programs at the school. Um, you know, and it worked. We still actually do that. Um, but it was it was very little plastic that we were collecting. Like the first couple of months, we collected like 100 pounds of plastic. Um, and so what we ended up doing is, is going to um, families, individuals that, um, you know, didn't have work or they needed some income completion. So they needed some part-time work. Um, and they lived close to um, these waste dumps where people bring plastic. Um, so we went to a bunch of different villages, found a lot of people that wanted to collect. Um, and um, what we do is we drive to them. So they'll, we'll give them a big bag, um, big Jumbo. It's like six feet tall, super big. Um, they'll fill it up with plastic. <clears throat> we show up, we weigh it, and we pay them for it by the pound. And then we haul it back to our operations center. And we process that, um, sort it by type and color, and then we bale it and ship it to a manufacturer for it to be recycled. So um, it's moved more towards that. There's also this um, there's this informal sector of waste pickers. So waste pickers, um, there's 20 million of them worldwide. Um, they go out, they go to the waste dumps, like these these big landfills, um, and they'll pull out anything of value. Um, we do support that economy also. And we really want to help kind of formalize that informal recycling sector. So it's kind of a combination, finding new people that have never collected before, never had the opportunity because they live um, too far away from like a big um, center of a city. Um, and then also we do support that um, economy of the waste pickers. Yeah, that's, that's really cool how you found so many ways to involve like different sections of the community. Um, what are some... I, I think as like an aspiring, you know, social impact entrepreneur myself, the biggest thing I see is that, you know, one X factor of the successful entrepreneurs is ability to overcome adversity. Um, you know, the mission is what drives you, but it doesn't mean that there are certain days that aren't like super hard, super difficult. Could you like speak to maybe an example or a certain challenge that you faced recently where um, you said, yeah, you basically you pushed through it, um, even if it was a grind? Yeah, um, I would say there's there's been so many like so many things have come up. Um, Can only imagine. Yeah, it, it's been yeah, it's been pretty crazy. Which um, I I think something that really helped me. Um, I worked with um, a mentor. Um, he was an entrepreneur, started a lot of businesses. Um, working with him, I was able to see how he could work through adversity and like working in a, a very ambiguous. Um, environment. Um, and I think that really helped me. Um, we've had, for example, this past year, um, the price of plastic um, dropped really low. So the recycling scrap price of plastic is super volatile. A year ago, it was um, like five times higher <clears throat> than it is now. That's crazy. Um, yeah. And it dropped to like a 13th um, of the price it is. it, it was a year ago. Wow. <clears throat> and so we knew that there were these three to six month cycles where the price would go high, it would drop down. Um, so it dropped down and we, <clears throat> we stopped selling plastic. We started just storing it um, because we couldn't, we couldn't operate with the, the super low price. Um, so 
Uh, we started storing plastic. Um, three months went by, six months went by, nine months went by. Um, we're coming up on a year. On a year. Um, the price is slowly starting to, to creep higher. But, um, you know, being able to work with that um, and, and with my wife, um, it's it's been really cool to see just the creative ways that we've been able to come up with to um, to, to keep moving forward. Um, we've had a lot of support. So, so kind of the other side of the business that I didn't explain is we sell plastic offset credits. Um, it's just like a carbon offset credit, but it's for plastic. So we find companies that want to support. Um, we didn't have a year ago, um, enough companies supporting to help us continue forward. So when the price of plastic dropped, we really had to focus on, on that side of the business, looking for more businesses to, um, get involved. <clears throat> and we came up with some, with some really creative ways to um, help those businesses share the impact. Um, and it's really uh, been super cool to see um, the, you know, the education that we were able to have, sharing the, the, the work that we do, um, cleaning the beaches, cleaning the rivers, helping people in poverty, and then helping the businesses that, that support us um, share that story as well. Yeah, I love that. I think a theme that I see is just that sometimes it's the challenges and the adversity that lead to some of the most growth and like the most creative solutions, things that you wouldn't Absolutely. have imagined that you'd ever yeah. find or do. Um, that's really cool. So I think that's a kind of a good transition into, you know, there's a lot that you're doing right now for the people that you serve and, um, you know, cleaning up the world and the waste. What are some ways that you think about measuring that impact that you're having in terms of on the world itself and on, you know, these families that you you're helping? Yeah, great question. Um, this is a super important thing. Um, we really believe in um, impact measurement. Um, and that's kind of, you know, also plastic offset credits is, is a form of, you know, a, an impact credit, right? So there's this idea that um, you can tie money spent to a certain metric, a certain outcome. Um, and that's what, you know, our, our plastic credits are, right? So you pay a certain price to fund the collection and recycling for one pound of um, ocean plastic. Um, so, you know, obviously that's the first thing, um, um, keeping track of not only the collection of plastic, but also the recycling of that plastic. Um, there's some organizations that don't do the recycling part. Um, and that's, um, it's really tough to have the same impact without the recycling, right? So I, I always want to focus on, um, that aspect. Like that's really the only thing that works in developing countries is, is recycling. Um, absolutely. And um, so on top of that, we, we try to keep track of these fair pay workdays um, that we generate for people. So um, we want to make sure that people are making a fair um, wage. We're also helping their kids stay in school. Um, there's a lot of child labor in the informal recycling sector. Um, so we always want to you know, be working with the families, make sure their kids are going to school, helping pay the tuition if needed. Um, and then, you know, on top of that, we, um, you know, we try to do different benefits. Um, so long term, we really want to focus on actually improving the standard of living, something that we've seen um, just because you increase the income of someone doesn't necessarily mean that their standard of living improves, right? There's a lot of, um, you know, different 
things that that money can be spent on. Um, there's not a lot of like the education and training of how to um, very effectively use that money, right? So um, we provide like personal finance classes and entrepreneurship classes, um, different things like that, because we really want to provide the support to long-term change their standard of living, right? So um, in addition to the money that's paid, there's a bonus and collectors can save up that bonus and buy like refrigerators or stoves or um, water purification systems, different things, um, you know, as well as the scholarships and tuition. Um, so things that can long-term really help them save money um, and get better employment, you know, all those sort of things. So that's something that's obviously really hard to track, like overall outcomes, like livelihood improvement and like getting out of poverty. Um, so we have a lot of aspirations to like improve that, but, um, you know, right now we're, we're working on implementing those, those programs and systems and, uh, hoping to be able to track it better in the future. Yeah. I, I love to hear that. Cause I think, you know, you mentioned this, but measuring that impact is, is a way that you can make sure you're having the impact that you think you're having. And I was just thinking while you're talking, like if I, had a sudden pay increase like that, like I can only imagine what I'd spend that money on. Like I'm not even the best with my money. And then imagining someone in extreme poverty, having an income jump like that, like I can only, you know, there's so yeah. many places that money could go. Absolutely. Yeah. Same, same for us. And they, you know, there's really, um, you know, this theory that when you're in poverty, there's a lot of decision fatigue, right? You have so many, so many like things coming at you all the time, right? You're, you're worried about how to pay for your next meal, right? something that we don't have to really work, uh, worry about here in the U S um, when you have like so much, so many decisions you have to make all the time, it can be really tough. So like when, when new money comes in, um, you know, there's, there's not always the bandwidth to know how to best use that, that money, um, because you're just in survival mode. Totally. And I, I also liked how you touched on this ripple effect of, you know, when you help one person, you know, the, the kids can all of a sudden stay in school and then that's a whole new generation that, you know, has this education to go on and, and do amazing things. So yeah, I think absolutely. that's really cool as well. So one question I always love to ask just because um, it's fun to like boil this down into like specific people and stories. But is there someone maybe that comes to mind, a person or family that you've helped that was particularly um, inspiring or impactful? Um, yeah, there's a lot. I mean, every time I go down, it just it just inspires me to, to work so much harder. Um, cause I, there's so many, so many stories of people, you know, that are struggling, um, that we've, you know, been able to help. Um, <clears throat> we had one family, um, so they, they had a child die, uh, years ago, um, from malnutrition. Um, and, <clears throat> um, we started working with them. Um, and they, um, they had another child die um, shortly after we started working with them. They, they still didn't have um, the income coming in. Um, and so we kind of brought the community together to go out and help them. Um, we, uh, we, we did a fundraiser. We were able to raise um, quite a bit of money to, you know, first take care of their, their needs. Um, they, uh, um, you know, stock their cupboards, make sure they're good for a few months, um, and then incorporate them into the system of training, helping them, you know, manage their money. Um, so it's, um, you know, cool to see that, that we can, you know, 
bring them in. And, and, you know, it really makes me think like if we had been able to find them, you know, just a couple months before we did um, and get them to, to start collecting plastic and, and kind of do income completion, they're, um, they're not full-time collectors. They just do it, you know, on the side um, weekends um, to kind of help increase that income a little bit. Um, you know, and, and sadly, yeah, it's, it's kind of this long-term malnutrition. It's something, it's not really visible. It's not, you know, it's not starvation, which is something that I learned. Like it's just, you know, long-term, they're not getting the nutrition they need. And, um, and so when I, when I first saw that story, it was, it really hit me hard, honestly. Um, and so, you know, we, um, it really, yeah, again, inspires me to want to, to work harder to be able to bring on more families, right. And make sure that we can provide them with the resources they need so that, that doesn't have to happen. Um, and, uh, anyways, yeah, that's, that's one story. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that. I, so I spent two years in Ecuador and had some similar experience in terms of seeing these, you know, these ambitious driven people without some of the same opportunities I just grew up with. Um, and to think that, you know, you're able to just, you're, you're able to provide that for a lot of these families is, is amazing. Yeah. Um, so you've, I think this whole conversation has been, you know, you've, you've mentioned this a few times, but what do you personally find most rewarding about your, what you're working on? Um, what, what gets you excited in the morning when you get up? Yeah. Good question. Um, you know, I, I love, I, I love doing this type of work. Um, I, I'm really excited to do a little bit less of the stuff that I don't love as much. Um, <laughs> but like overall, like this is, this is honestly a dream job. Like, um, could not pick, could not create like a better job. Um, so I, I love being in country, you know, meeting people, helping out with operations. Um, I love the ambiguity of like having these problems, um, with no apparent solution and like having to like work to solve those. Um, I also love um, helping businesses implement sustainability into their business um, and then share that. Um, I think it's so powerful to raise awareness, get consumers involved in this cause, right? So uh, a business might do like a one pound promise where every time they sell a product, they fund the collection of one pound of plastic um, and being able to like tell that story and like have the transparency behind, um, you know, this is, this is the people, these are the people that you helped, um, collect that plastic. You helped these people make a fair pay, um, wage. Um, you've also like helped clean this beach. Um, and here's like that beach, here's a, a time lapse of cleaning this, this river, this, um, area. Um, so like, I think, I think just like solving the problems and helping people, um, the guy that that's basically a co-founder that's in charge of this um, operation in Guatemala. Um, he is, he is so inspiring because he works so hard. Like he's um, we, we're always like trying to tell him to take time off, like take PTO. Um, and he's like, Nope, like I gotta, <laughs> I got these people. There's too much to do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have, he has such an urgency to, you know, help people. And there's always, um, he finds so many win-win situations to go help somebody um, in, in a creative way. So, uh, when I go down and just see how hard he's working, um, you know, from five in the morning till, till nighttime, um, 
you know, it makes me want to work harder. Also seeing the the people in poverty, but um, it's also like an inspiring, like it does, it does get me up in the morning and, and inspires me to work harder. So, you know, kind of a, a big, you know, there's, there's that side of like loving what I do, but also the side of like, like I want to work harder to have a bigger impact and help more and, uh, and do more, you know? Yeah, definitely. I want to, transition a little bit into some more like the personal side of, of what you've been doing. Um, what have you, what's been your philosophy or your strategy to balance, you know, this impact you're having and, you know, the fact that the more you work, the more impact you can have with your, your personal life. You know, I know you have a wife and a new baby. Um, how does that work together? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, yeah, it's changed. Um, what we do has, has changed quite a bit. We used to, um, you know, go out and do weekend vacations. Like we love to be in the mountains. We love to, you know, uh, go to San Diego and go surfing. Um, and we used to do that a lot more when we were, when we were dating. Um, and then early in our marriage, um, as we've like really gotten into the business more and more, and it's really required more of our attention. Uh, we don't, we don't do those same things, right? We don't, we're not taking weekend trips. Like we're trying to you know, work, um, evenings and, and weekends as much as we can. Um, and you know, the good thing, so we do have a baby. Um, luckily he's nine months old. I can be at home, play with him in between, you know, calls or whatever. Um, so I'm able to spend a lot of time with my wife and, and kids, um, just working. Um, and, and my wife is working full time. So huge shout out to her for, um, you know, supporting us in the business and also, taking care of the kid, working full time. Um, and that's why I love to be home um, to support, you know, take care of, you know, we kind of swap off. Um, when I have a call, she takes the baby. When she has a call, I take the baby. Um, so I, I'd love to like long-term be able to kind of go back to doing a little bit more, um, you know, take some more weekend trips and, and have a little bit more fun. We've definitely sacrificed, um, you know, spending time with friends and family, um, but it, it's totally worth it. Um, I think as long as we're able to spend time together and um, do, you know, really prioritize just our family and, and then getting as much work done as we can. We're kind of front loading our time ultimately. Like this is a time our baby's too young to have these memories. Like we don't need to take him to Disneyland, right? Um, he's not going to remember it anyways. So we can kind of spend this time the next, you know, year or two, a few years, whatever, um, while he's, he's just really young, um, work on the business. And then, you know, at some point kind of scale down. I think it's just huge that you found a system that works. Like it's going to look different for every family, but yeah, the fact that you and your wife have a balance and even though it's super busy, like it, it's working and it may not be that way forever, but that's how it is right now. And some sacrifices totally. Okay. Yeah. Um, along the same, same lines, if you were to boil it down into a couple things, what do you feel like are the pillars or most important things in, in your life? Like if you were to boil it down to like, these are the things that I just can't live without, like this is what life's all about. What would you say? Yeah. Good question. Sorry. Um, it's a, I know it's a lot of deep questions in a row, but yeah, no, this is great. I love it. Um, you know, one thing, um, so the obvious answers that come to mind, we talked about, you know, family, um, you know, staying true to our values, um, and faith. Um, the other thing that's actually really big for me is, is fun. So, so having fun is something that, 
um, I want to bring to more people and I, I want to make sure it's, it's part of our life always. So um, like I have a lot of fun working, honestly. <clears throat> um, but I think there's, there's a huge need to like have recreation. Um, that's something that we've actually spent, you know, a lot of time on and, and we want to spend more time. Um, we've taken like spike ball down to Guatemala um, to try to, you know, get, um, get spike ball to take off. Right. And, and just, it's an easy way for, you know, people to get together and have fun. Like we've, we've wanted to like build a pickleball court um, or like take this new game paddle smash. Like um, we really, like, I really think that that stress relief is so huge. And so it's something that, that we want to help, you know, our workers that are full-time working with us as well as the collectors um, bring that to more people. Um, that's something that, you know, I, I try to make time for. Um, there's periods where like for exercise, like I'll just go running cause it's like way more efficient than like going and playing basketball. Um, but I love going and playing basketball. So I try to do that, you know, like twice a week. Um, and whereas before, like I maybe would go, go skiing or go rock climbing. Um, now it's, it's basketball because it's just basketball is, does take a lot Cheap of time. Cheap and easy. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. So, you know, we kind of have to make those sacrifices, but still finding a way to like have fun. Um, even though we're really busy and trying to spend a lot of time on the business, um, honestly is a, is a big pillar for me. Yeah. That's a unique take faith, family, and fun. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Three F's. Um, well kind of finishing up, we don't have forever for this conversation. I wish we did, but what are you excited about for the future? What's coming up for tidy or for your personal life? Um, what are some things you're excited about? Yeah. Um, for tidy, there's a lot of things that we're excited for. Um, we, uh, we're super excited to grow. Um, as I said, we have a ton of programs for the collectors that we want to implement and, and scale up. Um, like our, our ambitions are uh, much higher than our budget. And um, so we have tons of things like um, doing water purification projects for communities like that. Super impactful to me because we can reduce um, the use of plastic if we can get people to reuse. Um, it also like saves tons of money. Like there's tons of money spent on buying water bottles and, and this purified water. Um, so, you know, huge um all that's that's really helpful um we also want to expand to new to new uh, materials that we can collect so we're kind of limited on what we can um, collect and recycle um just based on what infrastructure is existing down there and so there's a lot of new materials that we want to start collecting um and that's a huge income boost for people in poverty if they can now collect all these different types of plastic and get paid for it um but also the environmental impact is just um like tremendous from being able to collect more types of plastic. Um, I'm also excited. Like we're doing some like uh, executive trips to Guatemala um, with Recyclops. I know you've, you've talked to Ryan before. Um, so we're planning a trip down to Guatemala with his team. Um, really excited to, you know, show the ocean plastic issue in person. Um, we want to take more and more people down um, to help out. And I think once you really see an issue, it can become so much more personable, um, really give you a desire to, to help out um, so much more. Um, and then on the personal side, I'm, I'm really excited to be able to grow um, and, and yeah, like do a little bit less of the stuff that I don't enjoy doing as much um, <laughs> and be like in person a little bit more, like go spend time um, in Guatemala with the team, 
and you know working on that side kind of the things that i like a little bit more um and then and then we're we're really excited to to grow and expand to to new areas new countries um so long term you know we don't know exactly when that's going to be but we're super excited to be able to scale the impact to other areas yeah a lot of stuff on the horizon that's that's really exciting stuff um i don't want to forget this question either but you know if someone listening says you know this really resonates with me what's the best way for them to to help out or be a part of your mission yeah um so you can you can fund a cleanup um basically you can purchase plastic impact credits um and so if you want to go purchase um some credits from our our website basically you for one dollar you can collect um, one pound of plastic and ensure that it gets recycled um, and then every hundred pounds that are collected creates two fair pay workdays for people in poverty um, so, but also like just getting involved in our social media, um, we're really trying to raise awareness. Um, so liking and sharing, um, anything from social media is super helpful. Um, we love any support there. Awesome. Yeah. I, I love what you're doing. So I'm, I'm excited for you, excited to see the progress and it's been awesome to chat with you for a little bit, Jeremy and, um, good luck with everything. Yep. Thanks so much, Talmadge.